tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, The Real Twin Peaks, Twins, Mary and Martha, also twins, and FBI's Most Wanted. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted, a podcast where Crystal and Robbie subject the audience to 20-minute long discussions of Pizza Factory. I, I think... And we watch Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> oh, yeah, <about>. we do that. <laughs> I, I think people are mostly here for the Pizza Factory discussion. Oh, man. I, I, I really... You, the thing is, is the Pizza Factory... Did I mention in the previous episode the Pizza Factory here in Dayton changed hands? I believe you did, whether or not it made it to the final cut of the episode. It's <laughs> another question. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I guess I've really managed to, to, to for, force the issue now. So that's just a little bit of information for all our listeners out there. Um, yeah, big moves at the... The Pizza Factory in Dayton, Nevada. But I didn't actually mean to talk about Pizza Factory at the start of this episode because there's something though far more interesting. Oh, what's that? We well, occasionally we get emails from listeners, and occasional emailer listener Dustin sent in a very nice uh, email, and I just wanted to read it on the air. Uh, that seems a bit self-congratulatory, but I say go ahead. Man, I love when people mention me in anything. <laughs> uh, so he writes, thank you for another great episode of the podcast. I wanted to say that I see no problem with you commenting on the price of gas gas, or the cost of fast food items. So I guess that's already, you know, uh, uh, makes the pizza factory thing kind of valid. Mm. Um, that is part of the charm of the podcast. We lived it. <laughs> I am right. <laughs> well, you put an exclamation mark there. I am writing today to comment on why I feel the show works so well. Crystal is a very observant skeptic, while Robbie is the quote every man unquote <laughs> who partially plays the part of the listener. I love when Crystal points out the bullshit. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Dustin. Five stars. Oh, thank you, Dustin. That's very nice. Yeah. That's very yes. nice. I uh, think anyone who knows me in real life knows that I almost exclusively point out the bullshit. That is my job in every relationship that I have. Yes. Um, yes. I, uh, I hope I don't... Re- I, don't ho- I hope that isn't his nice way of calling me a bitch. I don't feel like it is, <laughs> but it maybe a little. I don't know. Well, I mean, the thing is, is if we take that to to that extent, he if he's if the terminology he used is meant to call you a bitch. Simultaneously, I feel like what he used to describe me is like rube or something. I don't think that's what he meant. No, I don't think so either. No, I think Dustin was being uh, accurate but warm. 
Right. Else. Yeah. <laughs> accurate but warm now, now now we can go around all day describing himself as that um yeah no but i actually i think he he kind of he picked up on some subtle things that i i've never explicitly stated but mm-hmm. sometimes the, dy- the dynamic of the show i like to play the part of a uh, guy who shrugs his shoulders what could it be and, and then yeah that as a lead in for you being like, Oh, this is so ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, that would make me the Lisa Simpson to your Homer. Oh man. Yeah. Or the, I know what we're doing for next Halloween. <laughs> or maybe I'm the Lisa Simpson to your Dr. Nick. Dr. <laughs> Uh, you know, I go through most of my life feeling like Gil. I'll take it from here, Gil. No, wait, ah, oh, no, you can't take my sale. My wife's gonna leave me if I don't start bringing in the green. Come on, let me have this one, Stan. I'm begging you. Look at me. I'm begging you, Stan. Mm-hmm. Let's go write this up, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's funny... And yes, I don't have to go on a Simpsons tangent, but I realize now that I'm older uh, and I've, you know, I started watching more classic movies and understanding the references that are, that were made through the Simpsons, that my education of all of pop culture was filtered through the lens of the Simpsons first. So it's like, Mm -hmm. and to, to the point about Gil, um, he is a perfectly accurate representation of Jack uh, Lemon's character from, um, The, it's the movie from a movie it's okay i'm sorry i totally blanked but i'm going to describe the movie to I'm, you and you've probably seen it it's got a young alec baldwin um it's a bunch of sale it's based on a play oh yes uh this it, it might it, be glenn gary glenn ross but i don't remember put me out of my misery it taught me something john what it taught me you gotta get out there I'm not cut out to be a thief. I'm cut out to be a salesman, and I am back. I got my balls back. Now, you got a slight advantage on me. <laughs> but whatever it takes, John, to make things right, we're going to make it right. We are going to make it right. It's not a movie that I have watched, but I know precisely what you're yeah, talking Yeah, it's Coffee is for Closers. Uh, it's that movie it's Glenn, Glare, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross that's what it is and it was based on a play it became a movie uh, Jack Lemmon is in it as an aging salesman but they, they basically in the Simpsons Gil the salesman is based on Jack Lemmon's character in that movie Glenn, clearly Glenn Gary Glenn Ross wow okay okay I, I, I guess I didn't really know this movie you're talking about but i'm uh, well like as a like as a child there was no reason to watch that (laughs) why would you why would you be watching something that was based on a on a play uh about sales you know aging salespeople and why would you watch that as a child an adult it's actually very entertaining but like why would we anyway so i'm just saying my my entire knowledge of pop culture came through the simpsons filter oh, to- first oh, as totally. i imagine most people our age and maybe a little bit older i don't know do people still watch the simpsons press press one if you still watch the simpsons <laughs> i know it's still on the air but i haven't seen it uh, yeah i i it's been a lot i mean 
really, I, I stopped being a regular viewer of the show back in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think we all have our particular Simpsons episode that we mark as the beginning of the suck era. Mm. And it What's kind yours? of... Um, you know, well, it's funny. A lot of my friends, they explicitly say it's the one where Homer joins the Navy Reserve. But I kind of like that episode. Uh, for me, though, I knew there was something wrong. Uh, mm. I think this was my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. It was some episode where at the end, Marge is driving a monster truck. Okay. And yeah, I dropped off probably well. Well, before this, whatever before this era is, yeah, yeah, you know, and she's just dri- she's driving around the, the monster truck thing, uh, saying you know stuff, and I'm just I I made it through the the whole episode, and it dawned on me I realized something I had not laughed once oh, during man. that entire episode, and I was like, because like something something felt off, and then I realized what was happening. It's like oh, and like definitely I never picked up regular viewership uh, not even as a conscious choice it just sort mm-hmm. of I just sort of drifted away um, um yeah I I don't remember when it ended I just remember at some point I stopped paying attention to it it stopped being a factor you know yeah yeah exactly um well that sucks you know sometimes uh there's a guy I follow on Twitter Bill Oakley He's one of the former writers for The Simpsons. He wrote okay. the uh, he wrote the famed uh, steam hams, steamed hams. <laughs> Ooh, and steamed hams. Do you know what I'm talking about? The steamed yeah, hams a, bit. Because I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's what he's known for. And yeah, anyway. it's, a, it's an Albany expression. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that guy's on Twitter, and now he does uh, reviews of fast food items and new like food products on his Instagram. His yeah. name's Bill Oakley. And I got very excited because sometimes I'll say something to me to him and he'll respond. So that's my uh I've interacted with a Simpsons writer. Wow. Uh yeah. And you I'm can too. He's very friendly. <laughs> oh cool. Cool. Uh should we move on to actually talk about unsolved mysteries? Did we talk about whatever it was I was trying to talk about before we got talking about the simpsons what was it yeah we you read oh uh, i read the email yes okay so i guess we might as well move on to the unsolved mysteries part of this unsolved mysteries podcast i believe Mm -hmm. our first segment takes us (laughs) to new hampshire Mm -hmm. in a what was the name of the town? Hook Hookset? I don't know. It I think it was Hookset. Uh and it starts out they describe the town as like what like a couple thousand people live there. I think it was 2500 people. Yeah. At least um well we started in the 1960s, right? That's where this tale really Right, cuz there, there there's there's two components to this cuz this is a uh a mother and son both being murdered. There's at different points in time, but potentially connected by something. I have a question before we get too far into this that you, that hopefully you can consider and maybe answer by the end of describing this segment. 
Okay. Which is in the Amazon Prime description for this episode, it calls this segment Real Life Twin Peaks. <laughs> okay. And I admittedly did not watch the entire series of Twin Peaks. I know, shame on me. I just couldn't well, get into it. But I, Yeah, well, you started out with the last season that they just did on Showtime or something. No, right? no, no. Even... I started from the beginning. Oh, okay. I tried I tried to like cuz I was like this seems like a thing I should like. But it did It didn't move. stick with me. Um however, maybe by the end of this describing this segment you can weigh in as to whether <laughs> Figure or not out this is a real life Twin Peaks cuz I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, I think you've mentioned in the past there are some strange uh, sec- uh segment titles yeah. for these yeah, I just, mis- just consider that. Okay. And then weigh in at the end, please. <laughs> I will. I, and I'm glad, of course, that you are watching the show legitimately on Amazon Prime, as yeah. we all do and encourage our audience to. Though, mm-hmm. so, I don't know if you've, you, you've, you're you aware of this. Hmm. Apparently, the full episodes of All of Unsolved Mysteries are now on YouTube. Oh. And I don't mean as a... Someone has upload them illegally mm-hmm. because this unsolved mysteries has been particularly good about stomping that out. Mm-hmm. No, this appears to be official. I, th- I think they're doing it in anticipation of the reboot that's coming. Oh yeah. Well, moving back on <laughs> to New Hampshire, I, yeah, so this is a, I don't want to call it a shitty small town. Uh, but, you know, it's a small town. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in the mid-60s, they had a couple of teenagers who were murdered. Uh, I think like four years apart. One, and they were, But they were killed in similar circumstances. Like they disappeared during snowstorms. And mm-hmm. then unfortunately, their bodies were found uh, later. I, th- I think they described like it, the snow would melt and their their body would be discovered uh a housewife named was it rita rena i should probably you know, you know i didn't take notes <laughs> yeah next did i uh paquette, paquette yeah i believe their last name was paquette i remember that standing out to me okay we'll call her mrs paquette this is paquette she apparently claimed to have information on the identity of the killer but the local police didn't follow up on it for some reason. Uh, so we jump to Rena, Mrs. Paquette's son, Danny, uh, who is 13 at the time mm-hmm. and played by an actor who seems to be closer to 33. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not alone in that, right? I no, mean, I understand. It was weird. He looked yeah. too old. But maybe, again, it's that thing of the style, stylization of former times makes people look older than they are. Right, right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll chalk it up to that. <laughs> uh, and he, the actor makes some interesting choices when he emerges into the living room. He's just sort of like, he's going around, picking stuff up, putting it down, uh, briefly grabbing something on a uh, coat hanger. And just being just being confused, and he's trying to find his mom, 
and, and I, I, I just, it was weird, weird watching this. Wait, this can, guy. We, can we go back he, to, to something real quick? I'm sorry. I, I hate to cut you off, but it reminded me, uh, you're talking about these teens that were murdered. Yes. And they show some newspaper clippings from the time. And, um, I was watching this with Dave yesterday and he pointed out something that was very funny that it must be such a small town because the local newspaper says as the headline, Pamela shot and stabbed police hunt for murderer. What? Oh, 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 oh whoa. Wow. Uh, I did not pick up on that. <laughs> I feel like I just brought the episode to a screeching halt with this information. That that is some uh, I I I've I've set my tablet to um uh so when that pops up I'm gonna come bring us to a screeching halt again as I as I wonder about that well just it's, just her first name huh just Pamela Pamela that's strange because even in like. A shitty small town like Dayton, yeah. which again I, I always say that in jest. I I love Dayton, uh, but I, it's, I maybe maybe it's a combination of the small town and you know it's a different time because I kind of feel like even in a town the size of Dayton, if you if if you put on the paper local Mason Valley News, you know someone's first name killed. What? It just wow, that's so strange. Yeah, it is. It's very strange, and it implies that there was only ever one Pamela. <laughs> well, how statistically, how many Pamelas could you expect? And oh my God, there it is! Pamela shot and stabbed. Police hunt for murderer. Uh, below it, mistrial claimed, charge uh, charge dropped in theft case against deputy DA. <laughs> There's a lot happening in this Daily Chronicle. Yes. Um, gosh. Uh, okay, so... Moving on. Yeah, so the actor playing Danny, uh, I mean, I uh, watching it, I was... I was really wasn't sure what he was going for. Like, was was he suggesting that Danny thought that maybe his mom was, like, in her purse hanging on the coat hat rack or something? He seemed very confused, as well as, you know, uh, uh, much, older, much older than what a 13-year-old should look like. Uh, he, eventually, what happens is him and, I can't remember, neighbors, acquaintances, they discover... Unfortunately, they discover that his mother is uh, is dead inside the barn, on fire. Yeah, like, like she and the the conclusion the local police <laughs> ruled was that she set herself on fire and went into the barn to die. Like that was that she was committing suicide. Yeah, like a real Joan of Arc situation type <laughs> suicide. I don't know. <laughs> You're suggesting that Mrs. Paquette was trying to liberate French-held lands from the English throne. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I can I can roll with that. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you could say in some ways maybe there's some similarities because they are both trying. They are both fighting against something that ended up uh, uh, possibly killing them. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, I've we've seen in this show some pretty 
pretty outlandish conclusions made by local police forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has got to be at least in the top three, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, uh, very shortly thereafter, a local delivery guy named Edward Coolidge, possibly related to former President Calvin Coolidge, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was arrested and sentenced for for the murder. So we presumably have some sort of, um, well, at the time, what seemed like a resolution for her, her death. Wait, was he arrested for her murder or the murders of the teen girls? I think just for, for Pamela's murder. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was for, it was for the the girls Mm -hmm. then there was no there was no resolution to rena's oh god uh well that that really reorient reorients (laughs) how i'm going to approach this i'm Uh, sorry no that's fine it's it's good that i'm not i'm not i'm glad you prevented me from because i was going to say like and whatever happened how did they solve the crime did they ever solve the crimes with the girls but I guess they, well, the thing is, is I partially did some research. I figured out, found out that Edward Coolidge was released on a um, technicality or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I, so I don't know if he was authentically guilty or what. But anyway, we we jump ahead to Danny now looking more legit. You know, legitimately like what his age <laughs> is alleged in the mm-hmm. in the show and he's having family issues right mm-hmm. like is him and him and his wife they're what divorced mm-hmm. there's a le- there's a custody battle mm-hmm. those, are, those are always fun um they have this uh recreation of him showing up at his his ex-wife's place just Demanding to see the kids and acting kind of, you know, aggressive and threatening, if, mm. uh, if you ask me. And so, naturally, the this results in him being put under hypnosis. Uh, because, yeah. Yeah. He got, he got checked into some psychiatric facility. Psychiatric hospital. And that naturally, hypnosis was the, the presumed to be the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean that that the, the the thing to address the issue. I feel like there, this was happening either a lot in unsolved mystery segments or a lot in the 1980s. Oh God, yeah. As like a treatment for, you know. Well, this, I mean, if it can help you remember what happened when aliens abducted you and wiped mm-hmm. your memory, surely it can help you remember. Uh, well, that's the thing. Like they're doing this. I guess the the original prompting was to keep him from going crazy on his family or something yeah yeah and so what they discover is uh presumably nothing that actually helps with that but instead he allegedly recalls having a memory of uh go uh seeing his mother arguing with the delivery guy uh coolidge right mm-hmm. and so presumably he's and this is where I, things get vague to me. So he 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 recalls this memory, and then his life starts to get better. Like he's released from the hospital. His brother sort of takes him under his wing. They they go on a lot of 
bice, uh, motorcycle riding. Is that what you, the vibe you got? Because it started to seem to me that like basically Danny decided to just forget that he ever had a wife and kid and just ride ride his Harley through the the highways of New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so then, but then shortly. Uh, Shortly into this new phase of his life, he was repairing a bulldozer and he was shot and killed. Yes. I yeah. I rewind this last part of the segment I actually had to rewind and watch again because I was very confused as to what happened. Well yeah, I because the thing is is okay, you go on, uh, with with the, this particular source of your confusion, because it might be different from mine. Well, I was so the police conclude that Danny was killed uh, as a byproduct of a hunter or someone doing target practice. At the quarry. At the quarry. And one of their shots made it out of the quarry, like up an elevation of a thousand feet, through some woods, through the window of the bulldozer Danny was working on and shot him in the chest. Yes. <laughs> Which is what the police were saying, right? That was their thing. That was basically what that, they were driving at. I think that was that was the only conclusion the 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 police were willing to countenance, right? Yeah, and I think it was it's Danny's sister who they interviewed that breaks it down, saying these are all the things that would have had to happen for this to be possible. Yeah, and it's as she seems a little incredulous well as she should be because it's impossible what the police (laughs) are saying happened so yeah um although again uh i was watching this episode i'm gonna sidetrack for a second i was watching Mm -hmm. this episode with dave and he paused it and he reminded me of a story of uh there's a he has a colleague that grew up in i think it's bishop california which is you guessed it a shitty small town and, uh, and one that's day, not too far from from ne- the Nevada border, right? Right. So if you basically yeah. drove south on 395 from your house, yes. that would be a town. So it's like I've straight heard, south. I've heard of Bishop. Yeah. So you go through the Sierra Nevada as you're coming, coming out the uh, western side of uh, Sierra Nevada. There's Bishop. It's a mountain town. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a shitty small town. Anyway, um... So one day when, when Dave's colleague was a little boy in elementary school, uh, he was in class and his teacher got shot in the hand (laughs) by (laughs) a hunter out in the woods. So what happened was, I guess the hunter was a little too close to the elementary school, but it was deer season and uh, they fired off at a deer the bullet traveled through the woods, through the window of the elementary school, and in the into the teacher's hand that was standing up in front of the class. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, bullets can do weird stuff. Like, they can do weird stuff, for sure. Yeah, they, they've done all sorts of, um, uh, like, with Civil War bullets, they, they, they've found bullets that traveled through, like, Two people, a horse went went into a house and hit some uh, farmer's wife and stuff. Wow! And uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, when they, the thing is, is when they were talking about this in the segment, what my mind kept jumping to 
was that episode of Seinfeld where they talk about when Keith Hernandez spat on Kramer and Newman mm-hmm. and Jerry's proceeding to recreate how this the spit could hit both Newman and Kramer and how it changes course. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the cops with this explanation the cops come up with though is nigh impossible. There's that's just guns don't no, that didn't happen. And it didn't happen. The thing is, is like, and it went like straight through his heart. This, yeah. this kind of, this sounds like he was murdered. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the issue is, is like, I don't understand that. Cause obviously they're implying that, okay, he, he was murdered because he re that it's related to his mother's murder. Mm-hmm. But what, what is it? What's going on? Like, is it that, cause, because I, I, I assume they threw in the hypnosis thing, like, mm-hmm. oh, he suddenly remembers she was arguing with Edward Coolidge. Yeah. So, you know, the, this is this is related to to that. So he's being killed for the same reason his mother was killed. But did mm-hmm. he even tell anyone about this hypnosis thing? Well, I guess he must have if they meant for it to be a plot point. Yeah, he must have mentioned it to someone because I don't think they interviewed the psychiatrist that took the information down so he must have mentioned that it came up in a session to one of his family members robbie so what actually happened here clearly someone was possessed by a supernatural being Mm -hmm. and you know after having some damn fine coffee at the oh sorry i was i was gonna try to work 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 in a whole twin peaks thing i don't know what I, I guess like they're they're implying that this this is like this segment was like Twin Peaks because people were murdered and there was mystery involved with it. And it's another great moment in law enforcement history. I I don't know. I mean, because really, honestly, I can't I can't say see this segment being associated with Twin Peaks any more than countless dozens of murders and other segments we've seen before. They they all are, but. Oh, so, oh, wait, wait, you were asking me who really did the killing, right? Yeah, because we get okay. an update at the end of the segment. Yes, yes, yes. It turned out that, uh, I can't believe I did not remember this, because it was actually pretty amusing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, apparently, this is somehow, this is, this, his death was family related. Uh, the, was it the boyfriend of his daughter? I'm, st- I'm still very confused. Here, I will read it word for word what the update yeah. says. 20 years after Danny Paquette's death, Eric Winhurst, a friend of Danny's stepdaughter, Melanie Cooper, pleaded guilty to the murder. And there is a mugshot of a man and a woman. I'm assuming the man is Eric Winhurst. I am assuming that the woman is Melanie Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to know a very interesting uh, bit? I... You, you know my friends, the Coopers, right? Yeah. And met Mel. Yeah. Melanie is, yeah. Yeah, so how was that prison for her? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the great irony is that uh, my Melanie Cooper was a prison guard. And <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I was, I was howling, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't going to say anything until we got on. And we were recording because I just thought that was really funny. That <laughs> it's so amusing. My my friend Melanie Cooper was involved in the the murder of a of of, of Danny Paquette. Yeah, and across the country too. Across the country, and then uh, you know, 
and at a time when she would have been all of like nine years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eric Winhurst goes to jail. Melanie goes to jail and she's now been released for just basically being a party to this. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find is really interesting though, is that this murder happened sometime in the 1980s. Yeah. And <clears throat> one of the, uh, the brothers of, uh, Danny Paquette, he, who's interviewed during the segment, he's like, if you think we're going to let this go, we're not going to let this go. And I don't know what led to the, uh, the, presumably confession, but they caught this guy, Eric Winters, 20 years after the fact. And I'm like, well, did he slip up? Did he get drunk and admit to it? Or was it the Paquette yes. family that, you know, hired a PI and just never let it go? Oh, yeah. You know, well, the thing is, is I'm assuming, and we won't know because presumably, however it's solved, it wasn't through the, the Unsolved Mysteries tip line, which is why we only get that text Mm-hmm. uh thing i presume yeah uh yeah you know that that's actually would be the more fascinating thing to find out if if they like just persistence managed to actually track track down the killer mm-hmm. i mean we don't know how this case was solved and it was but we don't know mm-hmm. how so I, I just thought that was really interesting so presumably sometime in the mid-aughts they tried and convicted this eric winhurst guy yeah so he's I, probably still in jail right now. Yeah, I mean, God, it is interesting. He got away with it for two decades, mm-hmm. and then somehow something happens, and boom, it all comes crashing down. Get yeah, on. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks was the hottest thing on television for about a year and a half. Better to burn bright and and you know, become a cult classic like that than to just be some show that lasted for five or six seasons, but no one really even gives a shit about, right? Yeah. Well, I think Big Bang Theory is on its 12th, wrapping up its 12th season. Oh, I hate being Big Bang Theory. Um, but it's been on for 12 years. People must be watching it. How long that was uh, Two and a Half Men on? I, oh, I feel that like was, that, sh- that was on for a long time, too. show went on forever. And Arrested Development got canceled after like three seasons. There's no justice in the world. There really isn't. You know, but there is some justice. The uh, oh H- right, <laughs> HBO just put out the uh, Deadwood movie. Oh, this weekend. you know, I never watched Deadwood. You're you're into Deadwood, I, right? It's my favorite show ever of all time. It's your favorite show. Yeah, we talked about this once when yeah. you were visiting me in Dayton. Um, it was it was unceremoniously canceled at the end of its third season. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is it? 14, 15 years later, they just put out the movie, which is essentially like the finale episode they didn't get to make. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know what? It was just right. It was the perfect oh. ending. I thought, so there is some justice in the world. You just, you know, it's like Martin Luther King or Gandhi or Jesus said that the universe bends on a slow curve towards truth and justice and that's what the dead movie is is the thing that mlk was talking about maybe we should talk about unsolved mysteries some more i would just just uh real quick though on yes. the deadwood thing uh-huh. i will mention when i worked at hollywood video yeah deadwood was being released on dvd mm-hmm. and so we had some seasons of deadwood and there were there was more more than one person who came to the store 
wasn't sure what they wanted to rent and then picked up Deadwood because I guess, you know, they probably liked Westerns. Mm -hmm. And there was a fairly noticeable number of people who, when they came back to return, it was like, man, the language in there was a little harsher than what I normally watch. Um, Yeah, I think it sets a record for dropping pretty hardcore cuss words that has yet to be exceeded. But... um, that said, it is, I think, on the level of, it's Shakespearean-type writing. It's beautiful and eloquent, and yeah, it has a lot of curse words, but it is clever as hell, and it'll make you, it'll make you laugh, and it'll make you cry, it'll make oh. you consider the uh, nature of civilization. Um, wow. No, it is, it's really, it's really good. It's really yeah. good. And it's, um, I, I believe you when you say it's your favorite show now, I, I, I have to, I'll have to file that away in my memory. Yeah. The language, house. the language is harsh because it depicts harsh people living on the edge of society. And that's what the well, show's about. So I wonder if they ever made a Deadwood lunchbox. <laughs> So the next segment of Unsolved Mysteries is well, a... Before you mention anything, yeah. they, I just want to mention they gave us a quick update uh, update related to a segment we already covered, which yeah, was the... I think it was uh, a season one, maybe season yeah, two segment. The, the, the Tennessee Children's Home Society, which mm-hmm. uh, was, if you recall, if our watchers at home recall, was basically... Uh, we discovered some wo- woman running an orphanage was literally kidnapping children and yeah. selling them. Yep. And yes. uh, yeah, so I o- I only wanted to mention this because we're about to get hit with a lot of like family reunion type things yeah. coming up in the next few segments, and I I kind of feel like the it was sort of a deliberate choice to put this update in in with these yeah it probably it probably was because basically the update which we already discussed but it's uh children that were kidnapped are being reunited with their biological parents yes Um, so yeah so i just just want to mention that before we get on to what i'm sure is your the the segment you're excited about (laughs) well i mean on the I, i was thinking about talking about this update too just because um unsolved mystery sort of skims over how huge of a crime that this woman committed um georgia tan basically enriched herself by stealing babies from poor people um Mm -hmm. paid a like a family judge to back her up when the poor people's parents came to get their kids back saying they were unfit parents so georgia tan could continue to sell children to wealthy families in new york and california and florida and all over the country um there's actually a really good episode of the podcast Criminal that goes into great detail about sort of what George and Tan was doing. And it's, I mean, Unsolved Mysteries kind of either didn't know the scope of the problem and they were reporting on it or they didn't care to cover it. But it, was, it wasn't just a couple of families. We're talking about hundreds of children. Right, so right. From the it, Memphis area. It was factory scale. Yeah. Uh, work she she was doing doing that yes yeah so go listen to criminal um 
Uh, I'm just making a small note here that we mentioned the podcast criminal in this episode. So when this episode drops, I will go over to criminals social media and mention that we mentioned them in the podcast. (laughs) I'm sure they'll care. Um, (laughs) That's like an actually professionally produced Ah, real, a real one, not whatever the hell we're doing. Um, okay. Okay. So moving on, we get guess what, you guys? It's back. <laughs> Simon. Simon. Um, I, 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 I was convinced it was just going to be a one-off, and yeah. it, the only reason it was still in the uh, that scroll at the beginning of the the each episode was they just didn't want to be bothered taking it out. Yeah. So. The last time we had a SciMed segment, I believe it was season one, and what they were describing was a young man had been shot in a hunting accident and was terribly wounded, and Mm -hmm. he was in a coma for a bit at the hospital, and the doctor said, no way, man, this guy's a goner, pull the life support, and the family was like, nah, we're going to pray, we're going to pray. And the guy got better. The guy got better. And he's alive and walking around today. And so they called this, that type of segment, Simed. Yes. Um, which I think we had some trouble defining what exactly that type of segment would be. Now that we have a second one, I feel strongly that I can uh, identify it as some, uh, some crazy bullshit that they can't <laughs> seem to fit into any other category. It's basically they're, they're, thinking of a scientific phenomenon but they're not actually testing it in any way and they're not yeah. it's basically th- this is a phenomenon we don't have an explanation for so we're calling it simed but it's not paranormal and right. it's not ghosts yeah well that yeah that's the thing i'm glad you brought that i was going to i was going to talk about this too cuz i also had a strong feeling like this the second simed segment really gave me a I, viewpoint as to what precisely a SciMed segment is. Mm-hmm. And in my, in my, what I was going to say was basically SciMed is just paranormal light. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we don't, we don't, we don't actually have a paranormal segment here. We just have something that has a trace bit of, sort of flavor of it mm-hmm. i mean this is yeah they're not the same as just a conventional lost loves or murder uh or i rather wanted segment but it is um it, it's a lot closer to those on the scale than than the paranormal ones it's just you know it's just a little bit a little bit of flavor of of, of just 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 to pass you by, help you pass through this episode. It's it's something that probably with some testing could be explained through science, but uh, I was interested. They don't. What you, yeah, I was kind of interested what your your thoughts were because this kind of like I know we we have when we've talked about the paranormal, you even when you discuss discuss ghosts and stuff and you've you know you've actually observed certain certain occurrences things. Yeah, yeah things uh but your perspective on them is your you believe you know you have a certain scientific 
bent to that. So, I mean, they have some of the stuff they talk here. I was, I was really curious. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to hear eventually when we reach the, the particular segment, part, sub segment, because this is kind of like a segment with three different things mm-hmm. welded together and it's all related to twins. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the basic thrust of the segment is like twins are weird, right? <laughs> basically um so it starts with, I, we've probably set this up enough it starts of uh basically what they're examining in the first bit of this segment is a set of twins that had been adopted out and raised apart and have now been reunited as adults and um observing how similar that they've become I mean, obviously they look quite alike but just in sort of how they carry their bodies um, their sense of humor. There are two middle-aged men. I don't remember their names, and it's not important. But basically, they had become uh, volunteer firefighters. They worked in landscaping. There, there were confirmed bachelors, which I took to mean that they're both homosexual. Because <laughs> that's a polite way of saying that in the '80s. But maybe that's not what they meant. Maybe it just means they were never married. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, we get a nice side-by-side comparison. And admittedly, when they first interview these two gentlemen, the way that they're sitting, uh, just in how they're sitting in a chair, is identical. They're just the mirror image of each other. Right, right. I I know exactly what you're talking about. They're (laughs) they're doing like a partial lean. Yeah, uh, just in opposite directions. And just how they carry themselves is... is... Do you think that was an active decision by whoever was setting up the interview recording? It it could have been, but it felt like they, they looked very natural. Okay. I think that's just how they sat down. And so I think there is something to that um the second part of this segment has to do with <laughs> what, <laughs> what, just moving along or what no 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 it, it's fine you're moving along because i'm just laughing i donald and and lewis keith right mm-hmm. the 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 the, 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 the twi- <laughs> sorry the the ter- i I'm, I'm i'm stepping all over you right now it's just i'm sorry it's just when I think of someone saying, you know, colloquially known as love handles, I just... I Oh, these guys. I'm oh, sorry, I thought we were going, going to... to the female twins. I forgot that there was a section with uh, with with these two jamokes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Lord. These guys, I was laughing through this entire bit, just because just the way that they both spoke was just insane. Yes. Um, they sound like uh the cartoon characters i don't know how else to put this but just uh overly they're overly describing items and actions as if they were speaking to aliens from another planet Uh, they're who we we would want for a first contact situation because they'd be very precise mm -hmm. and make sure there's no misunderstandings so the yes the keiths uh live they grew up together, I guess, but they live far away now from each mm-hmm. other. And uh, one of the Keiths was doing some very unsafe-looking twisting exercises at the gym. Exercises that were supposed to help with what... The love, colloquially known <laughs> as love handles. Yes. yes. And while it doesn't, as he described it, it doesn't take a superior intellect to do this exercise, <laughs> he hurt himself. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> uh, no, these guys are 
These guys are great. I was cracking up through the whole thing. So, yeah. so anyway, so uh, one of the kids hurt, him, hurt himself trying to work off his love handles. And, you know, several hundred miles away, his brother felt the pain in his hip. Um, and so his brother uh, is in his office. He calls the injured twin. He's like, how'd you get hurt? And then they describe it. So it's basically just symp- sympathetic pain is what they're describing. Um, right. They're, they're a real Samot and Tomax situation. But do you care to explain that reference? I'll 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 be as brief as possible okay. so so that I don't jam- and I'll just send you some clips uh, on YouTube after the episode. Uh-huh. They were they were tw- twin characters on the show GI Joe. Okay. Uh, they they were part of Cobra. They and they were twins and and the show if you hit one the other would would double down in pain. I see how your brother likes this, Simon. Okay, yeah. So that's basically what they're describing here. It's this sort of like sympathetic pain reaction to the other without being told ahead of time or without having one brother seen the other one get injured. Mm-hmm. So that's those two clowns. Um, and then we get the story of uh, some real creepos. Uh, <laughs> uh, Robbie, do you recall their names? Let's see if I can. Love. Uh, Velda? Lavona Rao Richmond and Lavelda Rao Richmond. Okay. <laughs> now. Well, first of all, are you, well, I'm sorry if you were going to mention this. Like, when someone has twins as kids mm-hmm. and they decide to give them both very similar first names, mm-hmm. is that is that something that re- really should even be allowed? No. No. None of this should be allowed. These are two middle-aged women that are dressed in the exact same outfit. <laughs> the exact same. White with, what, black polka dots? Yeah, a polka dot uh, blouse with a red belt and some kind of black skirt or pant. I can't see because they're sitting down. But uh, their hair is styled exactly the same. They're wearing the same makeup. Um, God, these women creep me out so hard. <laughs> Here's the thing. They uh, married another set of identical twins. <laughs> Which is how they both have the same, uh, you know, hyphenated last name now, which is Rao Richmond. So yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so the story of these ladies is is that basically one twin is the sender, and one is the receiver. So yeah, I'd never heard this terminology before. Mm-hmm. I, I I guess what in the stud in twin studies, mm-hmm. maybe this should have been called the real life Twin Peaks. This segment. Yeah, that would have been more appropriate, probably. Yeah. But in twin studies, is that like, is that a, is that the overwhelm, is that the, the, the dominant paradigm that there's a sender and receiver or do, are, are there people who believe that twins can be both be, both be senders and receivers? I don't know, but if anyone who's listening does have any expertise in this subject, feel free. If you have a college know. degree in twin studies, write in and let us know. And I'm, I'm sorry for your student loan debt. <laughs> uh, moving on. So these creepos. <laughs> um, so once the sender, one's the receiver and they, you know, they sort of give us some anecdotal story about uh you know when i got my left molar out she had to get her right molar out and when my appendix burst her left appendix burst i don't know but they're basically they're mirror image twins too which means that i don't know what the 
what that means? It's like... Um, if something happens to one side of one twin's body, it happens to the opposite side of the other twin's body. Side of the others, yeah. Uh, there's, there's probably some genetic thing, re- explanation for part of that. Sure. Right? I'm just yeah. wondering, though, if it means like one's right-handed, one's left-handed. Right. And that's, that's where my mind went. Yeah. But they don't, they don't really get into it. Because we've got a story to tell you guys about how one's the sender, one's the receiver. Back in the day when Le- Le- one of the girls, Laverna, Lavelna, <laughs> whatever, one of them went, uh, went out with a boy. And they were in, this is back in the 1960s. Uh, one of them went out with a boy to get a cup of coffee. And uh, the they're in this young man's car. Just one of the twins. Only one of the twins is there. They're in the young man's car, and the young man decides that they're not, in fact, going to get a cup of coffee. They, uh, he's going to presumably sexually assault this young woman, and he <laughs> goes down some country road. Well, um, the gal that's in the car, one of the twins, starts fighting back, and as a result, uh, they get in a car accident. Mm-hmm. That's right, right? Am I following yeah, your story? Yeah, that's, that's all accurate. Well, meanwhile, the other twin who was at home with her family... Uh, immediately knew something was wrong and uh i don't follow from here because it seems like both twins are in the car when well, uh, <laughs> i don't um, really know what what the rest of yeah, the no no the the, the the twin at home tries to convince her father and naturally the father's like oh you're just being an hysterical woman mm. uh and then eventually like and she's, but she gets, she, she receives signals from her, from her other twin. Yeah, that, this is the receiver twin that's at home. Yeah, that everything's okay because she just woke up uh, from the accident or something and a farmer is coming along to pull the car out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure enough, the, the other twin arrives home and the father's like, well, he, he has them, uh, he has the receiver twin guide them back to where it happened. But why did they go and, back to where it happened? To, well, as proof to, uh, well, I guess like, I guess when she got back, he was starting to feel like maybe there is something to this. Mm-hmm. And he wanted, he wanted enough scientific evidence to like, cause like, as soon as like they, they show him, he's like, gosh, I'm sorry. Like from now on, if you tell me something involving this psychic twin distress warning signal Mm -hmm. again, I'll, I'll believe it. The, uh, PTWS. The psychic twin warning system? P2WS, precisely. It's a real P2WS situation we got going on there. So the twin Um, that was at home basically guides her father back to the scene of the accident because she saw it all happen in her mind or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, they they give this as an example of the sort of stuff that goes on with them. Mm -hmm. I was mostly kind of from halfway through the segment on I was it was difficult for me to truly pay attention because I was I was kind of just unnerved by the whole uh, the, the the whole situation that this guy was going to go sexually assault one of the twins mm-hmm. and I mean I I understand this is a Simed sequence uh, segment but gosh just that it's just sort of casually depicted mm-hmm. and then not commented commented on mm-hmm. at all later on is kind of just 
I guess, I guess it kind of, it, it, it's in keeping with depicting what like the attitude of towards that would be in the 1960s mm-hmm. or something. But yeah, it's uh, really, it was just, it, it left a kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I guess it's it was enough of a common occurrence that it, it could be left unremarked upon. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I, I guess that's just in itself an insight into where we were in the late 1980s mm-hmm. uh, with stuff. Well, but, I, yeah. I like that it, I mean, it sucks that she got in a car accident. Obviously, she was fine afterwards, but mm-hmm. I like that she wasn't having any of it. Oh, yeah, no, that was cool. Yeah, she fought. <laughs> she was like, no. <laughs> Um, so that was cool. I guess maybe it wasn't, un- it wasn't remarked upon because in the end everybody was fine, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And that asshole's car got wrecked. So. Yeah. That, I, I, I guess there, there, there was justice <laughs> in the situation. Um, Lesson learned jerk. If you, if you're going to be, you know, uh, try to assault people, you're going to have to end up with, uh, paying a, a automotive bill. Yeah. And, uh, but, and, and then that's basically where the segment ends is with the story mm-hmm. of those two girls. I don't, I, I really, I don't know what the thrust of this, uh, side med okay, was I actually have what a th- I said, which is wow, twins are weird, right? So. I have a theory on this. Okay, actually, I think that this this part of the segment that we just talked about, I think that was meant to be a whole segment, mm-hmm. and just like in the process of having, you know, in, in post production, putting mm-hmm. it together and stuff, mm-hmm. they realized we don't have enough here for like an actual segment, mm-hmm. which. Uh, so they they just they 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 cobbled together some other twin related stuff and just mm-hmm. like boom there you go. I think that's likely. Um, yeah, because because the thing is is like this this part has the you know a reenactment, but for those other two guys, it's mostly just in the other two sets of twins. It's mostly just interviewing them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just my speculation. You know, another thing that I found um, interesting. Uh, please again chime in if you have that twin studies degree is that there were a number of well-documented experiments um, conducted, I think, by Joseph Mengele mm-hmm. at uh, wherever he was operating out of during the Holocaust, where they would take uh, twins that had come into the concentration camps and run really uh, horrifying experiments on them to see what would happen to the other twin. Yeah. So um, as far as PsyMed goes, there were a number, I don't, probably Unsolved Mysteries doesn't want to talk about it because it's horrible. <laughs> Uh, but it would be it would be kind of a wide wide uh, very wide tonal shift to yeah. go from yeah but that if you're looking if you want to talk about this as a phenomenon it's you know some of the, the well they were grotesque but some of the most well known experiments done on twins were done during the Holocaust and you know I feel like Unsolved Mysteries kind of has a hard on for Nazis anyway why it not, does why not just talk about it <laughs> yeah that's I mean I guess. Your point's taken. It really hasn't really bothered them before to, to just swing wildly and mention of Nazis yeah, and all sorts well, of situations. We've gotten plenty of, you know, B-roll footage from concentration camps in this show. I wonder why not, just if you're going to have a segment about PsyMed for twins. I liked this segment because I've always been fascinated by twins. I'm, you know, I'm an only child. I don't even have any siblings. So it's like the wild opposite of my right. situation, which is I don't have any mirror to reflect on. I mean, I don't even have any siblings to be like. Uh, hold on a second. Someone's yeah. knocking on my door. Sure. 
what the hell? Somebody's knocking on my yeah. door. Yes. Oh, you. Yeah, money coming back. Oh, okay. Those those parts weren't needed. Nope. Okay. Cool. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. Hope I saved the receipt. Okay. Um. Sorry about that. I was getting a pipe fix underneath my house. I will uh, leave that in. That okay. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, twins are interesting. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like if you had a twin? Um, not really. You know, I've I have though, okay. and I don't mean if I have had a twin. I meant if you've had if you. Oh, had if I had a twin. Because uh, you know, occasionally your hair color is different. Mm-hmm. Um, just over the course of the decade I've known you now. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen it different colors. Yeah. And uh, once while I was just sitting somewhere like in a waiting office, really bored, I, you know, my mind just wandered to all sorts of places. And one, like I had this mental image of you as a blonde and then you as a redhead uh-huh. crossing paths at like an airport or something. And just like, being you you meeting for the first time unintentionally wow yeah you know that's a really great segue into the next <laughs> section of unsolved mysteries robbie because we got another it's more uh, twins you guys more twins more adoptions family reunions orphanages stuff This whole this whole episode, sort of, so far to this point, has all been all about family. Yeah. Um. So, I'm going to keep this quick because we're uh, we're running a bit long here. Okay. But uh, you know, back way back in the uh, 1920s, and as Unsolved Mysteries let us know, this was five years before the uh, Great Depression started. But the Great Depression had started a little bit early in rural mm-hmm. um, Tennessee. Yeah. And a uh, a family of tobacco farmers um, recently had, uh, the wife had given birth to twins, but the wife died in childbirth. And the father of the family decided he could not care for these twins. Plus he had nine other mouths to feed. They slipped that mm-hmm. in. Nine other mouths to feed. That's a lot. Um. And the woman died in childbirth. I'm just saying, you guys, things used to be pretty rough. Uh, so let's all thank, thank Sy- the god of Simon for birth control. Anyway. Right. Moving on. Um, so he has these twin girls. He gives them up to the state or an orphanage or something. One of them is adopted out immediately to a family. It sounds like the other one kind of got bumped around to different families. Mm-hmm. And so the gal that got adopted out to the family is now searching for her long lost twin. Is that right? Yes. That's precisely it. Okay. Um, so, again, one of these segments that would have been solved in probably about uh, five minutes on the internet is an entire. <laughs> that's entirely this. That's the case with this. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, this was a quick one. They. They. Because, like, just through a series of stuff, she ends up tracking down 
the right. The, I think it's her. It's the the grown woman. It's she's like in her sixties now. Mm-hmm. She's looking for her twin, and I think it's her daughter in law that ends up helping her with a lot of the records. Yeah. Uh, uh, so they, you know, they they're searching what happened. Well, long story short, they find uh, many of the siblings from that family that she was adopted out of. Mm-hmm. And they're tra- they, I think, after they aired the segment, the if I'm getting this right, the sons of the other twin get in touch with Unsolved Mysteries. So mm-hmm. the fir- I think they first found the other siblings of the family, her biological family, and then through that they're able to find the descendants of her other twin. And then they have a big family reunion. Unfortunately, the other twin had passed away before. Yeah. It- it's a little unfortunate, but at least she, you know, at least she discovered, found the answer and, and, and has, you know, a connection th- through her twin's family yeah. now to find out more about her. Although I have uh, to imagine, though, for the for the sons of the twin that passed away, it's got to be a little surreal to see that. Dude, aunt. that was what I was thinking when they were doing the family reading thing. Yeah. How strange would that be that, be like, someone you weird. loved and knew passed away and then someone who looks literally exactly like them Mm -hmm. sounds like them except maybe for in the accent situation Mm -hmm. uh just comes into your life i i was thinking about that too like if i encountered someone who you know looked literally just like someone one of the people i've loved who's passed away it would i don't even know how how i i would handle that no, it would be unsettling. I mean, it'd be nice, I think, in some mm-hmm. ways, but I think in other ways it would be really unsettling. It's a mixed bag. Yeah, it is a mixed bag. Uh, so what did you think about uh, Twins Part 2? Um, well, <laughs> I mean, it, it, was, it was cohesive with the rest of the episode. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it, family reunion stuff really isn't my thing, but... Yeah. Because it was part of a whole episode involving twins and and children being taken away and stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it was it was it was sort of fascinating. What was interesting because this this was in Tennessee, and I kept thinking about that Tennessee Children's Ho- Home Society mm-hmm. and just how lucky these girls were that 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 the bitch who ran that place didn't get their claws on them. Do you think like, <laughs> I think they just lived in a different part of Tennessee. That's why. Oh it yeah. That could, that could be it. Do you think if she sold them, mm-hmm. like, would she give a discount if you bought both with, or as, as like a package? I don't think so. No, no I think full price trying, for both. Yeah. Twins? I think she's charging full price. You know, the other, the other thing, uh, going back to that update segment, but, um, that they mentioned in the criminal podcast is that if you were a child of color, shall we say, and you lived in the Memphis area, you were pretty well rest assured you were not going to get kidnapped because of the high, higher value placed on white babies. Right, right. So this woman, Georgia Chan, was exclusively abducting white children. Okay, well. So uh, just, there's that. Yeah, I guess, you know, if you're a black kid in 1920s Tennessee, your life sucks in all sorts of ways. Yeah. But I guess you could. You're not getting kidnapped by Georgia Tan. You're not being kidnapped by Georgia Tan. So you have like one one green check mark uh, as opposed to a number of uh, uh, 
uh, issues to deal with. Oh, God damn it, Robbie. We have another segment. Yeah, it, it's real quick, though. It's, um, uh, we get William Sessions uh, from the, the director of the F- then director of the FBI. Yes, he does the introduction to tell, tell us about this segment. Mm-hmm. segment. And I, I have my suspicion is, I mean, part of that is like, because the guy was on the top 10 list, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, there's that. But I also I think if you're a producer on this show, trying to come up with an introduction for Robert Stack to read about like child molestation, probably mm-hmm. just you just figure maybe we'll, we'll, we'll spare ourselves that task and just have the FBI director talk about the, the, this guy in the top 10 list. Yeah. This, we, we learn about a guy named Kenneth Staten who is a grade A piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I mean, this, he, apparently he is uh, a, like, serial child molester. Like, mm-hmm. and so he, this is a guy, who, he first got convicted uh, of it once, but in, like, uh, was sent to a criminal, uh, a criminal sexual, uh, it was a hospital or something. Sure. Eventually got released because uh, he was deemed fit to re-enter society, and mm. boy was that not the case, because he immediately starts um, uh, how he would go about this um, is he was he would actually go door to well not literally door to door but he was a door to door salesman mm-hmm. and he would in the process of this uh, show up to strangers' houses, and this is this is what was so fascinating to me because so often. With when they depict child molesters and like videos to warn kids about them, mm-hmm. uh, they they seem so over the top. Like the guy always seems like super creepy, mm-hmm. and um, and I always felt like shouldn't shouldn't it seemed to me that like most of the time it would be someone who did not seem creepy at all and seemed very nice and pleasant who would often be the perpetrators in these sort of situations. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. They'd have to be very charming and normal looking. I mean, otherwise yeah. they wouldn't get very far. Right. 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 And, and, but no, this, this plays out literally like any of those videos we watched as a kid. Yeah. Or they, they warn you like kids, don't let this creepy guy with the glasses and the, the beard in, into your, into your house. Yeah. And sh- yeah, this 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 is totally one of those situations. Uh, he's not going around looking for a lost dog, quote unquote, though. He's going around. He's got to check your be- milk. <laughs> he's got to check your milk. He's going up and down this allegedly going up and down the streets, checking on everyone's milk. Yeah. A- and what but of course, what was interesting there is they they taught the FBI talk about how if if the kid was, was still incredulous about that. He carried a bag of marijuana with him and would claim that like he found it on their front porch and that gave him everything he needed to do a search of the house, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, it's kind of a wild shift in explanations. But whatever, when you're a kid, I guess, you know, if you if you can't get in with trust, you use fear or something, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And so unfortunately, anytime a kid would let him in, he would... Uh, blindfold them and give them eye drops or something give them eye drops some really twisted shit yeah yeah he proceeded to upon gain release from the the mental hospital he 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 started doing this in jackson mississippi Mm -hmm. um but i guess at one point 
when he was after he insult uh he tried to assault a girl who screamed so loudly i guess it literally scared him off mm-hmm. and a teenager on his bicycle saw the guy run into his car yeah. and like a very smart boy he he got the license plate number mm-hmm. and so this guy had to go on the run yeah uh, but but what what is like so chilling about this is he as he was going as he's on the run he's still committing this crime like mm-hmm. I guess that's like really an indication as to what a deranged mind he has because mm-hmm. like even when he's fleeing from the police he can't stop I mean he, he's he's taking the time to tr- keep trying to do this and then when we when we get the capture update they talk about. Uh, you know, because he, uh, he one of those cases where he gets the people calling on him almost immediately, mm-hmm. and he saw the segment and he goes on the run, and he had just married someone mm-hmm. like a few days before or something, which yeah. that's gotta be a weird feeling, right? When you uh, married someone, yeah, turn out. yeah, yeah. I think it's they had only gotten married a couple of weeks before. I don't know how long they were together, but. I, maybe that's a little bit more consolation than having been married to someone for like 30 years and then finding out this information. True, so. true. It's, I, it's probably a good thing that uh, this probably she found out well before you know he was able to do it. But but then what, what's strange is like you know he's on the run from from the law from uh, uh, again. And he gets caught because he attempts to, to, to commit this crime yet again. And that alerts them to where he, he oh, is. Oh, I thought he got picked up again by a, in a motel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he but, used his own name to, on the registration card. And he used his own name on the, yeah, I'm sorry. I must have gotten that confused. Um, and he, so he got convicted, uh, put away, wasn't eligible for parole until 2031, but he's already dead. Good riddance. Bye. Yeah, um, so, sometimes there is justice, I guess. There is. It's yeah. like Gandhi said. Right. Um, hey, so we should probably... Uh... All right. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ReenactedPod. Send us e- emails at uh, ReenactedPod at gmail.com. Uh, check out Reenacted fan- Podcast fans on Facebook. And we have a Patreon, so check that out. Uh, yeah, it's patreon.com slash reenacted pod is where you can find us. If you want to become a member, you get special episodes. Robbie might mail you some some nice things. If you yeah. provide an address, we'll see. Um, anything else, Robbie? No. Okay. You wanna you wanna do the thing? Yes. For every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows. Oh, the next episode's gonna be about Halloween. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>